Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. We felt peace about this decision, and we went for it. We said, well, let's trust it, and let's see what happens. And like I said earlier, it's been amazing. God has been really blessing us in a lot of different ways, spiritually, in our finances, a lot of different ways. Uh, John 6, 63, just to give you an idea, because I want to be vulnerable with you guys, it, like of the blessing, like we've never had a vacation in our entire marriage, nine years, not an actual vacation where you went for five days like we did this week. Just, you know, he is blessing us. Anyway, that's, that may be nothing to you. Maybe you take a vacation every year, but there's more. There's always more. So there's something you can look forward to as well. But that's something that has really been a big deal for us. Okay, so John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So this is helpful too, right? Because there's a spiritual aspect that's going to get you to key in better on what he's talking about. God is spirit. When we say supernatural, that's his natural. He's not, it's not super. There's no super for him. That's his every day. Um, and so when we, when we practice spiritual things, when we risk and we go out and do that kind of stuff, we're, tuning our, we're giving ourselves the availability to hear outside of our normal. So it's important. It's just important, you know. Um, cool. All right. So the good news, you are his home. I wanted to expand on this a little bit. This is where I really started, and sometimes I, I notice this difference, not to be critical towards anyone, but I've just noticed that you know, God, I mean, people have given their life to the Lord, and that is such a humble act, it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, you probably had that moment where you came up and gave your life maybe at the, at the altar or maybe to a friend on a street corner or whatever. It doesn't matter. That was a humble moment in your life. It's really special. And I'll get back to that a little bit more. But I remember this time in my salvation, maybe a year in. Let me move this down a little. Um, and I said, um, God, I, this is your home. That's what I'm reading. So I need you to come on in. Like, get in here and make it yours. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure that out for you. You're going to have to come in here and change the furniture, you know, <laughs> decide what colors you want on the, on the walls, like figure it out for me. And, um, and that was so powerful, and he did. He did that. And if you need to do that, I would highly recommend it. You can do it on your own. You can do it later today if you want to. Inviting the Lord in to make this his home, he will live with you every single day you want. Um, have to look for him as like, gosh, I don't know where he is. I'm constantly in desert seasons. I can't ever hear from him. All that stuff goes away because he's always there. He's closer than a brother. He's closer than my skin. Uh, he's better than a friend, even though friends are great, you know. But he is better than a friend because he's always there. He's constantly talking to, to you. He always talks to me, guys, every single day. I, you know, I know that seems weird, but, I mean, I'm constantly hearing his voice. Uh, he speaks to me in a lot of different ways. He speaks, he rarely uses English. He does talk to me in English sometimes. And not that he uses other languages. He just, he uses the sky, he uses the wind, he uses 
circumstance or someone else's, uh, someone else will come up and talk to me about something and, and then he'll have something to say through that person. If you're paying attention, he's definitely talking. He never stops. And it's awesome. Okay. So intimacy with God. I wanted to tell a little bit of my, uh, my testimony. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, a really special uh, time in my life, uh, but a really difficult time in my life. Oh, my gosh. So first Christian business. I just recently, I'm a late-life Christian, 27 years old when I first got saved. And um, the first thing I ended up doing about two weeks after I, I met the Lord, um, and you guys have heard some of my testimony, so I'm skipping some stuff, but um, I, uh, I, we started a, a Christian business, and we did really well. It was a nonprofit, uh, nonprofit organization, community organization, and we were planning on uh, really uh, focusing on the Section 8 housing, which is like uh, the projects or whatever, like GWC. We were going to start after-school youth programs in those places all throughout California. We had the connections, everything. In our first year, because I'd been in consulting, I was I was kind of pulling it in, and we were working with banks, and they were we had you know we were able to show them how they could make money by giving it away. It was awesome. <laughs> it was really cool, and it was really working. And we made like seven hundred thousand dollars in our first year. It was ridiculous. Like we were being blessed, and I was like, "This is what it's like to be a Christian. This is awesome," you know. And everything was working, and it was awesome. And then uh, some really uh, crazy, underhanded, unjust things happened in the banking world. And the bank that we had all our money in got swallowed up by some big banks, and all of our money. Was <laughs> went with it, and that was the end of our nonprofit. We hang, hung on for like a month thinking things were going to work out and all this kind of stuff, but they never did. It was just one of the most painful experiences of my life as a Christian. I was like, what do you do with this? Like, somebody's got to be able to do something. We didn't have any money to hire lawyers. Um, you know, it was just like, and basically it was the end. We didn't have any money to pay employees. And what I'm getting at is my heart was really, really tied up into that experience, and it really hurt really hurt. As a Christian, I was super confused. I was like, well, what is this? Like, God, like, what are you, what are you doing? I thought you, blessings and stuff were coming my way, you know, and I was really confused about it. So anyway, um, then all this is going on. I lose the business, lose all my money on trying to pay employees that, I, that we couldn't afford to keep around and all this kind of stuff, like good-hearted stuff, but it was still going bad, you know, <laughs> real bad. And, um, and bad things happen to good people, and it has nothing to do with the anger of the Lord or something like that. You know, it's just because we live in a fallen world. It just happens, you know. Fallenness of the world was not something God wanted. He wanted He wanted it to be better, so He sent His Son, and now He's empowered us to be His conduits of heaven on the earth. Because it's not fallen in heaven; heaven's still good, and good things happen in heaven on a daily basis, every day. So, a uh, little side message there. But um, so anyway, so all this happens. Lose my apartment, um, and uh, I broke my arm. <laughs> All this happened at once. So I broke my arm. I lost my apartment. lost my job. Didn't have a future. Didn't understand what God was going to do with my life all at the same time. I mean, it was just so hard. And, um, uh, you know, on top of that, you know, like when I, yeah, I've, I've told you guys this, but I lost my dad to suicide and some other stuff. So I had a rotten heart, man. My heart was broken, shattered all over the place. Did not, it was hard in a lot of places, didn't want to let others in at all. I did not trust people at all. That's too long of a story to get into how God helped me with that. But um, 
but yeah, so, but the point is, is my heart was a mess. And a friend of mine, Hispanic guy, I lovingly refer to him as my Mexican dad. He loves that. Um, he is one of the most special people in my life. Barely knew him then. He worked for our company, and he invited me uh, to come and live with him because he heard about what was happening. And I, I wasn't sharing, so I don't know how he heard about it. Um, so I, I went and lived with him. And he's got a three-bedroom house in California. And um, he's got three little kids and two uh, teens, and they're living in this three-bedroom house. That's barely enough room for them. <laughs> but they, they're so loving. They moved out, all the kids, out of that one room and made a, a, gave me a room all to myself in this house. So, I mean, I was so overwhelmed with that, but I was also completely distracted by how much pain I was in. It wasn't getting to me, um, but it was an act of love, and we've got a great friendship to this day. But um, anyway... Um, while all this is going on, the Lord keeps putting this in my path, this book, The Love Dare. Some of you may have heard of it. It's for married couples. It's a 40-day devotional um, for married couples, not for people that are single. I was single at the time. Mary and I met a lot later than that. Um, and he keeps, keeps putting this book in front of me. It was popular at the time, and he said, buy it. And I heard his voice, and I said, well, Okay, I'll buy it. I don't understand what I'm doing. And I, and I bought that book. I'm not even, I don't think this is an exaggeration. I can't remember specifically, but I think it was maybe 10 to 15 times that I bought that book and gave it, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I kept giving it to married couples. <laughs> it's like, you're welcome. Work on your marriage, you know. <laughs> I was like, this is my new ministry, you know. Um, I just didn't know what he was doing with it. And so anyway, uh, so I I'm, I'm move in with my my. Hispanic dad, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, broken arm, lots of pain, but I'm also on pain medication, which I had a problem with before I got saved. So opiates were like uh, something that I, I would just overdo all the time. And they had such a hold on me that I was really terrified. So there's just a lot of pain I'm dealing with right there in that moment. And I go in, I'm in my room all by myself, and uh, they were leaving me alone because I could tell I needed space. And I go into the bathroom. And there's that book, this one on the commode, on the back of the commode. And I'm like, oh, God, it's only my bathroom. So I'm like, God, why? what do you want me to do with this book? Like, it just keeps showing up. I don't get it. And, um, and he said, and I started reading it, and I heard the Lord, and he said, I want us to do this together. And um, so, like, just to give you an idea what's in it, say nothing negative to your spouse all day. That's day one. So as I read that, I felt like the Lord was saying, say nothing negative to me all day. And so everywhere it said spouse, I put in the Lord, um, and, and he was into what? He was healing my heart. My heart was a mess. My heart was a total wreck. No trust for anyone. Didn't trust him. Didn't. Didn't, I didn't really didn't love the Lord. I just knew that I'd already given up everything, and so he was... It's kind of like, okay, I'm stuck, and you can just torture me for the rest of my life kind of thing. That's where I was at. So, um, so we went through all 40 days, and it was awesome, amazing. Every single day was really cool. He encountered me every day. I had a real moment with him that I could not shake. There was no way to deny it. Um, and, and that it kept on going for the whole year, but I, I won't get into that today. Um, and that taught me about how he can be with us forever. But... Um, on day 19, I can't remember if it's a 19 or 17. It's one of those. I looked it up like several times. I always forget it. Anyway, it says, take your spouse to dinner. So I took 
So I just had dinner that night, and I'm like imagining the Lord with me there. I thought that was it. That was good. All 40 days go by. On the 40th day, I, um, it's 11 p.m. at night. Finished the whole thing. Like I said, had a lot of wonderful experiences with it. Didn't, didn't think anything else was going to come of it. Didn't expect anything. It's day 40. It's 11 p.m. at night. And, um, and I am sitting, I'm driving down the road, and uh, there's a, uh, and I stop at a stoplight, and I hear the audible voice of God. I'm so serious. I'm, you can never change it. I experienced it. <laughs> you know, so I was there, and, and this booming voice that came from every single place there was, not from one direction. It was everywhere. It was inside of me. It was outside of me. It was everywhere. And I thought it, should, it was so booming that it should have broken that window or something. And all he said was, I want to eat here. It's like, oh, what's happening? You know, and I look across the street, and there's this place. Yoshinova. <laughs> I know you. I was like, what? Are you serious? This is what you want to do? You want to eat here? And uh, so I pull in there, go up to the counter, look very much like that. And, um, and, I, and I walk right up to the guy that's there, and I'm like thinking, wow, I'm going to eat with God. This is awesome. Um, I'm just like, I might as well try. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so go up to him, and he's like, sir, we're closed. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm totally nuts. You know, I'd already had a lot of suspicion because I had open visions and a lot of other things happened to me. So I'm like, I definitely have schizophrenia. This is, this is what this is. Like, it's legitimate. I'm, I need to lock myself up. And I really, and shame and rejection came into that room right then and there. And they, they just, they hung out there. They were all into it. And I was devastated just in that moment. And I don't know what I was doing, but the guy probably saw the devastation on my face. And he says, sir, never mind. You know what? We've got food back there. Go ahead and order anything you want. But listen, I just finished cleaning in the dining room, and I'm going to keep the lights down. So don't make a mess. And, um, you know, we'll keep the lights down, but you can go and eat in there and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, my gosh, it's awesome. <laughs> okay, we're back on, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm, like, so excited for, like, about a split second. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to order for God, God of the universe, God, like God that made all the stars and planets. I'm going to sit and eat with God, like, and that overwhelmed me. And he had made it so real. I mean, I just heard his audible voice. So it was like, this is crazy. What, what is going to happen and, um, and so, but I ordered, and I think because I was poor, I basically ordered the kid's meal for God. I'm ashamed of it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And, um, and I, I overthought it a lot. I ordered a, a one soda, and I, I got two straws because I didn't want the guy to think that I was inviting someone else in, overthinking everything. I grabbed stuff. Thanks for laughing. I appreciate it. <laughs> It was really funny, especially looking back at it. Oh my gosh! But like, so I I grab the tray and I go and I sit down in the in the dining room and I realize, wow, the the lights are low and there's '70s love music on, and I mean I'm like, God, you're romancing me. This is I'm a guy. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I felt like a little weird about it, but there was so much love like wrapped around me. I could feel him like just absolutely 
uh, adoring me for no reason at all, like nothing I had done. I promise you it wasn't anything I'd done. If you guys think I'm innocent, you're wrong, I promise. I've done a lot of, a lot of terrible things in my life. But, um, it, and what he had done is he, he just absolutely delivered a new heart to me, a brand new one, a, a, one that had his word written on it, you know, because I'd spent the last 40 days in the scriptures through that 40-day devotional. And um, what does that mean, that his word is written on it? That means, like, when you hear his voice, you understand it because your heart's not against you anymore. Because his word's on your heart. That's why you spend time in the Bible. That's why you spend time around, you know, worship and stuff like that. Because you want to get into rhythms of what God's doing on the earth today. It works. There's nothing else to it. It's not like there's a magic trick or something. You can't find a guru that can help you with this. It's just all on you, you know. And it's actually an invitation. It's an opportunity for each and every one of us. Be your own guru. So what can I do if I can't hear him? I don't tell this story to, you know, make anybody feel bad. You should get really excited, in fact, because the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. So if there's any part of you that would want an experience like that, you know, I've counted three different books that have that same exact testimony in it. I didn't know they existed until after it happened to me, but three other people have had real encounters where they took someone, where they took God to dinner. It happens. So, I mean, if, if that's specifically what you want or need, God will do it. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't respect me more than he respects you. I haven't done anything to earn a little more than you have or something like that. It doesn't work like that for him. Jesus paid it all or he didn't pay anything. Now let that sink in for a second. That's the truth, man. Um, So what, what, this is the one thing that I have identified that the Bible seems to really point out is the absolute core of being able to hear from God, and that's humility. And if you think, well, I don't know anything about humility, you know, I got, or whatever, you probably do if you've been saved. Like I said earlier, you probably had that moment where you gave your life to him. That was a really humble moment. You said, I'm, let me be nothing so you, you can do your thing through me. There was a lot you were saying in that moment. Even if you didn't realize it, that was a really humble moment. So congratulations is what I'm trying to say. The rest of it, um, really just comes from, from Jesus. Jesus is the star of all of my spirituality, not me. And I'm going to define humility a little bit better, th- but I want you to understand when, when, so I'm not like thinking about, you know, what I, what I've done. I'm, it's what he's done. So Jesus humbled himself, went to the cross, gave his whole life. So if you don't have any humility, guess what? You can get some from him. Like, just looking at his life, and that's exactly why he did it. He wanted to make a deposit in a prideful world. He wanted to make a deposit of humility that everyone could grab from, pull into their own heart, and give back out. So you don't even have to have it. You don't have to conjure it up somehow, some spooky spell or something. You have no no ability to do that anyway. You're a finite being. You only have so much to give. Your humility can come from his act. So, and I'm not getting people off the hook. That's not what I'm about. I just want you to understand that there's, there, this is easier than you think. Humility is the core of, I, I drew this out kind of in a panic the other day because we just got off of vacation. I was like, how, and I was asking the Lord, like, how do I explain this in a way that just helps us? 
I really understand. So, you know, humility and pride, a lot of people think they're just these two, like, characters, and they're, like, fighting each other in us or something like that. Um, it's a little different than that. And I thought of, like, musicians think of this sometimes. They think about flow. Um, any musicians in here know what I'm talking about, flow? Mary? Rick? Hey, come on. Amen. Flow is awesome. Okay, so flow um, is, like, basically, you, you know, it's when you're, all your technique and everything you've invested in into music hits this one little spot, and you kind of, everything disappears, and you're just in this one place, and you're playing your instrument, and it's just beautiful. <laughs> it, it makes learning an instrument like a priority for me. You know, I'm learning piano now just because I want more flow in my life. Flow is, is it is tangible. It is amazing. When you get there, you know it. It's what you're fighting for. Anytime you're doing worship up here, you want everybody to join you in that moment. It, no one, I mean, I have had moments where everybody joined in, and we've had moments here This is so where everybody's there with you. And we're just in this place of like, this is what we were made for. This is what this is what it's all about. And we're just connected with the Lord, and there is such a direct connection that we are just completely satisfied. They're not thinking about something else. You're just like, this is awesome. And all the lights and whatever goes away, and you're just there, and it's just you, and you're in that moment. Flow's awesome. It's somewhere in between boredom and, and anxiety, right? There's, you know, I mean, sometimes when you're a musician, you're up here playing, and you just get bored because you know the chords and whatever. It's not there. That's not where flow is. Anxiety, you're pushing yourself too hard. You can't really figure out what the, what the notes are, and you're really struggling to keep up. Um, flow's right in the middle of that. I, I was thinking about how the Bible talks about rain in life. New King James Version and the Passion Translation both talk about that. Raining in life, it's in two places, Proverbs 1 and also in Romans 8, if I'm not mistaken. might be wrong on that one. Rain in life, that phrase, is pretty, pretty poignant. It's exciting. Um, another word for flow, rest. Rest is not sleeping. Um, sometimes it is. Napping can be the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes, you know. Take a nap. Um, but rest is really receiving everything that Jesus paid for so that he doesn't, you know, we're not expecting him to do it again <laughs> or something like that. Um, we're receiving the inheritance that is ours, and we're living in our purpose. That's where rest happens, and that's a short version. We could talk for 45 minutes on that, and I won't do that to you guys. Um, so pride and false humility, Right? are kind of the same thing. They're on opposite sides of humility, right? But they're problems. They're really bad, you know? I mean, false humility, if I stood up here and, and you know, after I, after I finish talking, somebody comes up and they say, wow, that was, that was so good, that was so awesome, and I just say, oh, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. I am lying. I'm, I had a part to play in it. And if it was just Jesus, it would have been a lot better, I promise you, <laughs> you know? Everybody would have got saved and healed or something, you know. I mean, it would have been amazing, but, you know, and, you know, so you got to think about that. Or maybe as a parent, you could think about, like, um, you know, if your kid does really well in a sport or something like that, if he stood up there and he said, well, it was all my parents, and he wouldn't take any credit for anything he did. Yeah, but you tried hard. You worked hard on your, you know, running and skills and stuff like that, you know. 
if that kid continued to say, well, it's just my parents, it would be weird. It would just be awkward. So that's, I just want to give you a picture of false humility. We are partnered with the Lord. That was his idea, not mine. And, and we're invited into a, a kingdom family, a heritage, something that he's doing on the planet today. Does that mean that everybody needs to be a pastor or minister? Not exactly, but in your world, absolutely. In your sphere of influence, wherever it is, doesn't matter if you're working, um, you know, at Papa John's or something else, you know, or, or, you know, you're a professional and you own your own business, you know, you need, you, you need to be empowered and equipped. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing, guys. It's supposed to be equipping us so that we can be empowered in the world that we live in. So that when the opportunities come, we don't, like, get shy or whatever. Like, oh, I can help you. I know exactly what to pray or whatever. And sometimes it's praying and sometimes it's just being really really kind. Or There can be so many different things. But when you can hear from God, it doesn't get so confusing. He doesn't author confusion. So we can, it's awesome. It is awesome. It amplifies our life to such an extent. Um, So I'm going to keep going. You guys want to stand up? I feel like... I've got a lot of things coming at you, right? I'm working y'all's brain this morning. This morning, go ahead and stand up, please. Um, I've got I've got more message, but I just want you to take a deep breath. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We got a little further to go. I promise. This is good stuff. I, um, thanks, Bob. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Okay. So think about seeds. Seeds don't have more than one identity. They only have one identity. So this thing is going to be easier than you think. It's going to be for you. And the humblest thing you can possibly do in life is live the life of your design. I'll give you an example. With me, the Lord told me a long time ago that I was going to be a writer. And, uh, and I, I, did, I ended up writing a book, but that was a long time before I wrote a book. And, um, and I was like, I can't do that, you know, and I just didn't have any confidence in myself, and it did help me get confidence, but there was this other lady who also got that same word from the Lord, um, that, and she, she said that when she received that word, she also was not a writer. She had not written anything, but she, so she felt really insecure about it, um, and, but the Lord spoke to her and said, you know, is an apple tree an apple tree if it doesn't produce any apples? still an apple tree. It doesn't matter. It's still an apple tree. So these seeds, whatever seed you are, you're going to keep your identity. God knows what it is. Pride has, is this thing that comes in and tries to mess with us and tell us that we need something that isn't ours, that we want to do things that don't belong to us. And you can almost always tell that it's there because we're not feeling that flow. We're not feeling that rest. We're feeling stressed out, anxious, even depressed. And you're like, depressed is pride? It's a form of pride. It's weird. And I've been depressed, so that's hard to say. And I understand what I'm saying. If you have questions about it, like, let me, let me know. I'd love to dive deep into that with you. But um, this, is, this is the thing. It's like um, we get caught up in these, in these identities that don't belong to us, and that causes friction. It causes pain. And it confuses everyone around us, including us. And if we do it for long enough, we'll believe that that's who we are. And um, so God's got a solution for all that, right? And it's his voice. He wants to talk to you. He wants to tell you who he is. So I wanted to put these up here. It's a little hard to see, I guess. Um, Color choices, Josh. (laughs) Anyway, 
Um, this has to do more with money. I'm not really talking about money. I'm talking about spirituality. I want to apply this thing, this money thing to spirituality because it's helpful. A lot of us is probably, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, actually, to experience these. These are mindsets. They're mindsets. So a poverty mindset um, is a way of thinking. And the typical example that people give is like, well, somebody gets paid on Friday, and by money that Monday they don't have any money left, you know, because they, they celebrated all weekend or something, you know. It's a bad idea, but it kept them poor. So they had, their, they had their peak, and then they had their valley, right? Mammon. Mammon is the love of money. That's the common definition of that. Um, it's also the love of things. So it's holding, 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 and falling. Like I said, you can be poor and experience mammon. It's just a mindset. It's a way that you, you experience your life. So you're trying to hold on to things that don't belong to you, and eventually it slips away because what happens when pride comes is fall. Happened to the devil. Happened to everybody. It'll happen to anyone that's just kind of stuck and thinking that they have to hold on to things. I'm going to move these. <clears throat> so... So understanding these two patterns is helpful because these are the ones that we experience, right? But there's one that God has given us in the Bible, which is glory to glory. It's from uh, the scripture. Uh, uh, you can't see that at all, or I can't. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 3.18, and that talks about being transformed into his likeness, right? So from glory to glory. This is the life. This is the pattern. This is the mindset that God is offering us. It's exciting. It's so crazy. And to give an example, uh, a lot of us come into life, and maybe we don't think that's a blessing, but if we do, it is a blessing. And so that's the first glory. Maybe we go through, we get saved. That's number two right here. We, you know, we go up again. That's another glory. And, uh, and then we're experiencing God, and the only way he's going is up. There's no, no desert seasons. He's not talking about that. Jesus actually took the desert on for us. So... Sorry, you know, it's not about like, well, I'll be able to hear from God sometimes and not others. I'll go through seasons when I don't hear his voice ever. That is not necessary. Jesus paid that price. He paid a lot of prices that we don't give him credit for, so we just redo them over and over. Um, so what is this that God's doing with glory to glory, right? Well, in the poverty example, one and two, we don't have the ability to capture the blessings of God. So our capacity is really what the problem is, right? So God is stretching and expanding us and pulling us, and he's making a big, floppy, loving heart that continually loves and moves towards the things that are his, that he wants in, in the world. That's what he's doing. He's creating capacity. He wants his church, every one of us, to be able to carry what he's pouring out. How do you do that? Well, it never changed, really, because it's just about these two things. It's about being grateful and tending and keeping. Remember that from Adam and Eve? So when you look at your life with the mindset of glory to glory, you're looking at your life like the garden that maybe you planted here in the spring. You're looking at it, and if you see a weed, what do you do? You pull it out. If you see something good happening, you put more in, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and that's, that's what your life ends up being like. You got a bad relationship, it's ruining everything. I got a boundary for that, you know. If, if I can't help them, maybe I tried already or something like that, you know. This helps you make really, really wise decisions that God gets to have a voice in. 
and your partnership. Tending and keeping is awesome. It seems simple because it is. Gratitude is another one. It says, uh, enter my gates with praise and thanksgiving. So when we go into God's uh, house, when we go into, which is here, he made his home here. We enter it through gratitude. If we can't get in, we just turn on the, thank you, Lord. Just thank him until you get there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And you're like, <laughs> oops, sorry. Um, you're just repeating it until it's real for you. Or do it anyway that, that it works for you. You understand? Um, so those are the, the keys there. All right, one last point. I promise this is the last one. Desertification, you guys have probably never heard of this. The Lord um, talked to me about this big word. Um, uh, a professor of mine actually wrote a, a textbook on it, and he told me he wanted me to read it, <laughs> read the textbook. <laughs> I was reading about desertification, and I'm like, why am I reading this, Lord? This is so boring. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, um, Deserts, there's a lot to them, you know, one of the things, so the Lord started to relate to me about my heart being a desert, dry wasteland, and kind of the connection between that and the desert. So if you can't hear from God, there may be some desertification going on. Um, The thing that's interesting that I found in this book was like the different things that happen in the desert, like if it rains in one of these deserts sometimes, then the, the ground is so dry it can't receive it. And in fact, it does more damage than good because the, the water comes in so heavy that it creates a flood that tears out all kinds of different uh, plants and stuff and ruins the homes of animals and stuff like that. So that it does more damage than good. So some people know exactly what I'm talking about. They're in this church and they're just getting more and more bitter. And, you know, it's just getting, that's, that's a heart condition that God can actually heal. <laughs> so you came to the right place. If that's you, there's other things that are really interesting. When I saw this, uh, it's my professor. He's such a heady guy, and he, he went on and on about the science of all this with phosphorus and whatever. And I realized at one point while I'm reading these big names and, uh, you know, chemical names and whatever, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's basically there's a communication breakdown between light, salt, and water. That sounds familiar. That sounds like the Bible. That's what creates a desert. It's not that those elements aren't there. So much light, it's incredible, you know? But they're not talking to each other. There's all kinds of stuff in the way. It's not that they're separated. Sometimes there's too much over here. Sometimes it's too much over there. So these things he broke down for me in this way, and it could be any, anything for you. For me, it was risk. I got a lot. I heard from God more when I took risk than any other time. It was just helpful. It was a good thing that I could do to continually kind of know that he was there. He doesn't mind if, if I fail. That was such a big deal to learn. I said that earlier. Gosh, it's a big deal. You know, you can learn from your failures, and God knows that. Think of raising kids again. Like, you know, a, a baby, you don't get upset when they take their first step and they don't make it and they fall, you know. You're not going to get mad at them. You're going to be like, oh, you did so good. You just took your first step. You're going to get so excited about that. So is the Lord. He's a better father than any of us could be. So hope. Hope is a big deal for me. I mean, I can't do it without hope, guys. Uh, you know, I'll just say it like I, like I experience it. Like if somebody's got a, a doctrine or something about end times that are, it's all going to burn and go to nothing, I can't handle that kind of stuff. 
sorry. You know, I mean, that is not the God that I've met. I'm not trying to say that you have to believe like me. That is not the God that I've understood. And when I read through the Bible, I don't see that in there. The burning, I've experienced burning. I've experienced being on fire, things being burned out of me that, that didn't, weren't working with the Lord. I've experienced a lot of that melting down. And my Bible says that there's a wedding. That's what we're looking forward to is a wedding. The bride of Christ and Jesus himself, and they're going to get married, and then there's a whole future beyond that. There's always a future and a hope. That, that hope that is in me is dynamite. And it's powerful, and it's the only thing I've ever used to minister. When I risk and go pray for somebody because they're hurting or something like that, I'm going to use hope. I'm going to tell them that there's hope in their life. And a lot of times, they'll connect with that, and it's powerful, and it's supernatural, man. Water, life, Holy Spirit. I'm not in it alone. He's, he's, he's helping me. Um, he's telling me what to do. And, but life is the thing that he's after. He's after a, a future and a hope, you know. So those things, when they communicate together and they're not isolated, one over here and one over here and all that kind of stuff, they, they empower me to live my life listening and hearing from God. This is like a little ecosystem. We won't go back there. Okay. So, yeah, and that's, that is the entire, thank you guys for sticking in there. We really didn't go late, but I, I can tell, like, I'm really pulling on some of you guys. <laughs> Um, but you know, sometimes we need that. Um, so this is my thing. Like the Lord spoke this to me, he said, and because I was a writer, I guess, I don't know. He just thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was funny too. Um, you know, may all your desert seasons, Josh, become dessert seasons. I just want to encourage you. I don't know what I did right or didn't do wrong or whatever. I don't know. But God is with me every single day of my life. I never, I don't live life without him. And that does not mean that I'm perfect or I have better theology than you or anything like that. That just means that if it's available to me, then it's available to you. And, man, I believe that so much. It does not matter where we are. It doesn't matter if we're right in the middle of sin. He just, because of the price that Jesus is so effectively paid. So, I mean, it, this sin consciousness thing, it's nonsense guys I mean sin was like a little campfire on the beach and you know God came and took the entire ocean and poured it out on that sucker there's no fire in that thing (laughs) I mean he paid the full price or he didn't pay a price and we need him to go and do it again but what you know so that's that's not what we're talking about here we're invited into his life believe me people can decide that they don't want anything to do with God up and down left and right all day Every day, and they do. Most, so many people, not most people. Um, I don't know, maybe. But, and that's so unfortunate, and I feel so much pain for that experience, and that is part of being a Christian. I feel for them. You're choosing to live your life without the Lord. That's tough. But, Blue Jean, I don't want any of you guys doing that. I don't want any of you, and whether that's you know, if your experience is completely different than mine, that's awesome. But do it with the Lord. Whatever you do, do it with him. He is available. You don't have to, the rich young ruler, that was the wrong title. You know, Jesus said, um, you know, he basically talked about his things owning him. I'm paraphrasing. So 
he was really the rich young ruled. That's why he had to leave all that stuff, because all his stuff owned him. His titles and everything owned him. So there may be some serious changes that you need to do. If everything owns you right now, if your money is making all your decisions and the voices in your life aren't God, because they're so loud over here and over here, and none of that has to do with who he is, then, yeah, you need to get right with the Lord, and that's awesome. There's such an ex- This is what this is for. You know, Bob and I aren't super you know, up here and you're down here somewhere, we're all on this level with the Lord. He's either providing it to everyone or he's not providing it to anyone. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you feel owned, that does not have to continue past this morning. And stop it. <laughs> I hope that, that, goes, that doesn't go down like a rat sandwich. <laughs> I love you guys, uh, so this is some tough love stuff up here, and I want to see you free. I want to see you knowing him. I don't want to have a one-up on you or something like that. It is a huge advantage to be able to hear from God in your life, huge advantage. Oh, my gosh, he keeps me so stable every day. And if you're like, well, I learned to hear from God like 100 years ago, there's always more, and I'm constantly growing in my ability to hear from God. He's always showing me and teaching me that there's more. There's like, I mean, I go back and read some of my journals sometimes because that's a really good practice. Um, I go back and read them, and I'm like, what in the world was I believing back then? (laughs) Wow, God, you've set me free from all kinds of things. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll get so grateful just because I've I've seen the pattern of how much he's grown me from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's always more. So I do want to encourage you to, to get prayer. Like in the time that we do worship, which is so exciting, honestly, doing worship at the, it gives us a chance to like throw our expression into what we just received. So let's do that together as we worship with these videos. And, um, and the other thing I want you to do is ask, because you can hear from him. God, does anything own me? Is there a voice in my, loud, in my life that's louder than yours? He will answer you. He's so into this, guys. He's way more into it than I am, and I believe he's going to speak to you. Um, and uh, if you need prayer, like I said, please come up. I hope every one of you come up today, and we can just do kind of like a little fire tunnel of prayer up here. I don't know if you guys know what a fire tunnel is. Sorry, I come from weirdos. Uh, I'm just kidding. But um, that would be awesome. We'll knock that stuff off. We'll silence those voices. Let me pray for you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for being here and listening to me. And uh, you guys saw the email. You knew I was going to speak, and you still showed up. Thank you. (laughs) I feel so loved. I do. Um, God, thank you so much, Father God. I pray that, that your Holy Spirit can use anything that I've delivered here today to help us, Lord to get closer to you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done so effectively. Thank you for how you've honored us and you humbled yourself to such a fantastic extent. Gosh, we were yelling out at you, crucify him, and you, stay, and you stayed the course. You, you, you did your humbleness because you, you said, no, this isn't, I'm, I'm going to give this to you because you all need this, so. 
Lord, I pray for that deposit of humility to go out far and wide, that it doesn't get confused with false humility, that it doesn't allow pride to remain in any way, shape, or form. And we get to experience the massive advantage that you've delivered so effectively to us through your sacrifices and through your gifts. God bless everybody. God bless every heart in here, Lord. I pray for new hearts today. Lord, I pray that during worship, Lord, we'd have encounters with that, Lord God, that we would have a new heart delivered from heaven, that your angels would be in this room and they would give hearts out to everyone. Because heaven isn't short on new hearts. (laughs) He's got one for each and every last one of us. Lord, come and deliver your your hearts that, that hear you, that know you. Yeah, we want to know you, Lord, so, so intimately. So be our special friend, our close, close, close companion, our counselor, our defender, our advocate every single day for the rest of our lives and then some for our living life and eternity and everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.